Hello and welcome back to Singing 101 with me, Candy Louise, the podcast where we talk about all things singing and everything you need to know to be the best performer that you can be. Today we're going to be looking at laryngeal height, which sounds super nerdy, I know, and is potentially a little bit nerdy, but it's a really cool technique that you can use to manipulate the sound of your voice to make it just a little bit more unique. And isn't that what everybody really wants? So let's get started. Singing 101, singing 101, singing 101, singing 101. So becoming a truly unique artist and a songwriter is something many singers that I see are striving for. You know, whether you want to become a rock god, a pop diva or a folk queen, every singer has their own opinion on what is truly unique about their favourite singers and who they themselves want to be. But did you know that by simply moving your voice box or your larynx up and down, you can unlock different sounds and acoustical qualities to sing with, which offers you more tools to truly express yourself and to create that unique tone that you're looking for. So today we're going to look at laryngeal height. We're going to look at how you can utilize this to create a unique sound with your singing voice and the few things that you need to watch out for when doing so. So first of all, what is laryngeal height? I think I'm going to say laryngeal height about a million times this podcast. So laryngeal height is a term used to describe how high or low your larynx is. The larynx, I'm going to use the term larynx. You can also use voice box. They're the same thing. So the larynx itself is situated within the windpipe and it's mainly made up of cartilage and muscle and ligaments. And then there's one bone in there as well. So it's it's a pretty flexible piece of equipment and it's something that singers can safely manipulate to achieve different sound qualities. So when we're describing laryngeal height, we describe it in a few different ways. These are low, low neutral, neutral, high neutral, and high. So it's most common for singers to use multiple laryngeal heights throughout a performance or a studio recording, depending on their artistic choices, their environmental state, and their vocal technique. Some are more preferable to the voice than others. So let's dig into this a little bit more and what effects the laryngeal height has on an artist's tone. So we're going to start with a low larynx. A low larynx can create a more haunting, darker sound. Ooh, doesn't that sound tempting? So yes, a low larynx is our go-to for that kind of more hollow sound. It's mainly used in classical singing, which is really commonly there. But as contemporary singers, we use a low larynx to get a kind of rounder tone with a more emotive, atmospheric touch. So you can hear now, this is what my larynx sounds like when it's neutral, when it's normal. This is what my larynx sounds like when it's low. So imagine that when I'm singing. This is my larynx when it's neutral. Ah. This is my larynx when it's low. Ah. Can you hear the difference? So there's two prime examples of artists that use this in contemporary music. One is the ultimate diva, that is Cher. I mean, Cher. If I say the word share, everybody knows what that tone sounds like. If I could turn back time. I'm really sorry, Cher, that I just did that. Um, Let's hope she never hears this. But she's a prime example of lowering that larynx. It creates kind of just a different, darker sound than if she was going to sing, If I could turn back time. Just adds a little bit of something extra in there. Another example is Hannah Reid from London Grammar. She has a really unique tone and she lowers her larynx often. And the type of music that she does really lends herself to that because it's quite quiet, the instrumentation behind. 
because when using a low larynx, we don't really get much dynamic from it. It can really only stay at the same level. So how do you lower your larynx? What does that really mean for us as a singer? So to lower your larynx and build awareness of how this feels, follow these steps. So number one, I'd like you to place your hand on the front of your neck, just where your Adam's apple is, if you are a male or where it would be. I'd like you to breathe in and sigh out using the vowel uh, or pretending to yawn on an R sound. Uh, uh. Feeling that space in the back of the mouth and the throat. I'd then like you to repeat it one more time, but adding in a note. Uh, uh. Have you got it? So this is an exercise you can use and continue to build this up until you can sing whole sentences and passages and really get to grip with how the lower larynx feels. If you are struggling with that exercise, the other thing that I like to tell my students is that they can use that kind of playground man voice that you use when you're a kid. So you know when you're a, I don't know, when you're a kid, you're a six, seven year old and you're impersonating your dad or, or someone and you're like, this is my man voice. That is a prime example of how the larynx is lowering and creating that tone. So if you're finding the first one a little bit difficult, just put on your big man voice and uh, see how that feels. So as I said before, a low larynx can't really offer much dynamic change. It will kind of be one level of dynamic and it will just stay there. It's impossible scientifically for us to really add much flavor in there. So often singers will kind of dot this larynx in with a, a low neutral larynx or a neutral larynx so that they can offer a little bit more of dynamic change to the song and, and offer that emotiveness as well. So for example, if I was going to do that with, if I could turn back time, let's choose the word time to be a little bit louder. So I'm going to bring my larynx up for that into a neutral one. So if I could turn back time. <laughs> that is my neighbor just singing back the joys of working at home. <laughs> So the other thing that a lower larynx is really useful for is counteracting a high larynx, which is something we'll touch upon later. So keep an ear out for that. The second type of laryngeal position we're gonna be looking at is a neutral larynx. And this can create a really free, easy way of singing. It's true, each singer has their own tone and no two voices naturally sound exactly the same. We're all built with the same apparatus, the same laryngeal structure, all of that stuff is the same. But the architecture of our vocal tract, our use of articulators like the tongue and the lips, the choice of vowels we make and much more determines each person's tone. And that's when a neutral larynx can really come into its own. A neutral larynx is the point at which the larynx is completely relaxed. So where it's not worried about what it's singing, it's not worried about the pitch, it's not worried about anything and it's just allowed to fly. And mastering that can really make you a master of singing itself. So let's look at some examples of singers who use a neutral larynx. It's pretty much every amazing singer you can ever think of. Um, Bruno Mars, Jennifer Hudson, Whitney Houston, Aretha Franklin, Sam Smith, all of those singers that you go, whoa. Those are the singers that tend to use a neutral larynx. Because again, the neutral larynx really allows them to express themselves. 
and just really fly and reach these insane notes without any worry at all. So again, there may be times when a singer uses a low neutral larynx or moves slightly to a high neutral larynx to offer some tonal changes, but if neutral is the dominant laryngeal position, it's gonna be the easiest way for you to sing. So how do you find what a neutral larynx position feels like? So to find your neutral laryngeal position, all you need to do is follow these steps. We're gonna place our hands again on the front of the neck, just where the Adam's apple is or would be. I want you to get into a super relaxed position. So we're just super, ah, there we go, just super relaxed. And then I'd like you to speak numbers one to five in your normal speaking voice. One, two, three, four, five. We're then gonna elongate the numbers until it becomes a drone. One, two, three, four, five. This is exactly what a neutral laryngeal position feels like. It's just the same as when you're speaking, when we're completely at ease. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could do these vocal acrobats and it's as easy as speaking? That's the dream, right? With this kind of exercise, it's something you can repeat until you can sing whole songs being super relaxed. So things to look out for when you're using a neutral larynx. It doesn't really require many things to look out for because it offers you that flexibility. So you can really let go and express yourself, but you do need good vocal technique to do so. It also requires practice because any sort of niggle or worry, you know, if your brain's like, oh, it feels a bit high or oh, it feels a bit low, it will concern the larynx and it will move its position to try and make the note easier for you as the singer to sing and not always successfully. As we'll find out when we look at the high laryngeal position, which is coming up now. A high larynx, a high larynx. So a high larynx can create a strained pressed voice. Yes, I am the bearer of bad news. But in most cases, a high larynx is not something we wanna sing with. A high larynx is usually a result of a worried voice and it can often happen as a singer starts to reach higher and higher notes and then they get really, 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 really fretful and on the inside they're going, ah, ah, I'll never be able to reach these notes. Oh, oh. That's when a high larynx occurs. So in that instance, what happens is the larynx kind of tries to reach the note. So it moves up and it moves up and all the muscles around the voice box, around the larynx will squeeze and it will try and squeeze its way up. And all those muscles are doing are essentially crushing that larynx. So there's no chance of reaching that note comfortably. And I say comfortably because yes, you might be able to reach that pitch, but it's not gonna be comfortable and it's not gonna be sustainable. The result is really a squeeze kind of shouty sound and it can often take the singer off pitch as well as being really uncomfortable to sing with. And that then leads to vocal fatigue. And in some cases, if it's done over a prolonged period of time, it can actually lead to vocal injury, which is definitely not something we wanna deal with. High larynx is also often seen in rock music when a singer wants to achieve a scream or a raspy voice, but they don't know the extreme vocal technique behind it to do so safely. So what happens again is the larynx gets used to raising and squeezing out some rasp. So it takes a lot of work for them as a singer to be able to achieve the rasp and learn the new technique because essentially the voice has got into a bad habit. So a prime example of this is Kurt Cobain from Nirvana. Yes, his voice is sick and he's one of the best known rock singers 
ever. But if you start to listen closely, you can hear that actually the voice starts to sound really uncomfortable, especially in the higher choruses. So I'd really urge you to go back and listen to some live footage of Kurt Cobain and have a listen for yourself. And have a look too. This is on my blog. There's a video. So please go and read the blog so you can watch the video of this as well. You can see how uncomfortable he looks. He looks actually slightly in pain when he's doing this. It sounds really tough. And imagine if you're doing that on a tour. Night after night, your voice is taking a battering. And you, the instrument, is taking a battering. And it's knackering for you. It's just not a sustainable way to sing. My second example is Kelly Clarkson, who... I adore. Kelly Clarkson is an incredible, incredible singer. And she normally falls into the neutral larynx camp. But I wanted to include Kelly Clarkson in this because I wanted to show you guys that it can happen to anybody. That even the most trained singers, sometimes something can happen. You know, whether it's environmental or whether it's just an off day, something can happen. And they too can still suffer with a high laryngeal position. And again, this is on my blog, so I really urge you to go and have a listen. So this is a live performance of Since You've Been Gone from the 2005 VMAs from MTV, the Video Music Awards. And again, I would urge you to go and watch the video on my blog post of this so you can see. But the performance that she's given is so, there's so much welly in that performance that she overextends her voice quite early on in the song. And she gets to a point where she cannot fix it. She's stuck in this high laryngeal position and she just has to ride the wave, which results in, again, some really pitchy moments, some shouty moments, some moments where the voice sounds guttural and, and not in a good way. And she just looks like she's thinking, if I just perform, it will be over soon. It will be over soon. So as I said, I would really urge you to go and watch the video of this as well on the blog post. I'll include the blog post in the notes below, but it's really worth watching the physical impacts of the high larynx on her as well. So how do you feel a high larynx as a singer? So I'm gonna take you through an exercise here, but I'm just gonna have a small caveat before I start, which is that I want you to do this quietly because we're gonna be going into quite an uncomfortable position. So again, we're gonna place our hands on the front of the neck, just where the Adam's apple is or would be. And what I want you to do is to look up and imagine that you're trying to reach a note that is super high and out of reach. So one that's like, oh, it's in the heavens, I'm never going to get it. And then I'd like you to softly sing an E sound. And it will sound a little something like this. I'll sing that again. So now let's compare that to a neutral sound. Can you hear the difference between the two? So you'll also perhaps be able to feel the difference. You'll be able to feel the tightening at the top of your throat and a general feeling of just being uncomfortable and not really liking it. So as I said before, using a high larynx is unsustainable and it can cause vocal damage. So if you're kind of stuck in that setting and you're not really sure where to go with it, I would really advise going to see a vocal coach to help you out. They'll be able to give you some really good techniques to get you out of that habit because that's really what it is. The voice has got into a habit with it. One thing I did mention earlier was that lowering the larynx can help if you get stuck in that position. And that is one of the techniques that I often use with my students. So something to try in that instance would be the exercise before with the E, 
but bringing in some of the yawning feeling from the lower larynx exercise to see what effect this has on the sound and the feeling for you as a singer. So in that case, we would pop our hand on the front of our throat where the voice box is. We would be singing the high E looking up, but we'll be doing it imagining that we are kind of yawning. So in that case, we're gonna be forcing the larynx to think lower. So it's gonna be moving down, not into a low position, but it'll be moving into more of a neutral position. And you should end up with something that feels more comfortable for you to sing in. And that's really all that we want as singers. We do want a unique tone, yes. And we wanna be different, but we want it also to be sustainable. So monitoring your laryngeal height is not only a great way to work out what works for you as a singer and to have a play and find out all these different sounds and cool things that you can do with your voice, but it's also a way for you to kind of find out if you're doing any sort of bad habits and to to try and counteract them before it becomes such an integral part of your voice. So this is the end of podcast number two in Singing 101. I really hope that you've had an amazing time listening to me nerd on about laryngeal height. Yes, laryngeal height, I've said it again. If you do have any questions at all about laryngeal height, I'd love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at Candy Louise Singer. That's C-A-N-D-I-L-O-U-I-S-E Singer. Or you can email me at hello at candylouise.co.uk. And I'd love to chat to you guys about singing, about all things laryngeal height, about all things artist development and songwriting. I love that stuff. I live for that stuff. So yes, any questions, any questions about anything, extreme vocals, all of that stuff, give me a shout. I'd love to chat to you guys about it. I really hope this has been helpful. I really hope that you feel that you've learned something that you can take away and something that you can ultimately have a play with to just be able to express yourself a little bit better in a more unique and fun way. Until next time, I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Singing 101, singing 101, singing 101.